Hey, good morning. A couple of cool things happened so far today. I was, about an hour ago, I was wandering through my kitchen, turning off the coffee pot, and opened the refrigerator and the freezer, trying to figure out what are we going to eat for dinner tonight. I usually, not long after I get up every day, I have an idea. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about, oh, I want to cook this or that. And uh, in fact, I did a, an episode, I think episode two of Feeling Twisty. Uh, it's called The One About Fish Tacos. And I think it's pretty clear in that one how much I love to plan a meal and cook it. So anyway, back to the day story. I'm looking in the freezer and the refrigerator and I thought, you know, I just don't want to cook today. I just didn't, it's a rainy day, and I just wasn't, I'd rather just enjoy the day, enjoy the rain, and do things around the house, and do this podcast, and other than going to the store, because I just had no idea, I just didn't have a clear idea of what I wanted to cook, <clears throat> and I just didn't want to do it, I wasn't imagining a bad trip, or imagining anything awful about going to the grocery store. It's just a personal preference today. I just didn't want to do it. So anyway, I'm making this a lot longer. I didn't want to do it. And I had just stood there in the kitchen and just kind of had a moment. I didn't create an imaginal scene. Some scene implying that I didn't want to cook. Was sick, that my, my uh, choice of not cooking was borne out. Nothing. I didn't create anything. I just had a moment of just, oh, I'm not going to cook today. And about 20 minutes later, I get a text from Kim to tell her, to her telling me that someone she knows, a friend of ours, cooked a big old pot of gumbo yesterday and is sharing it with us. So there's dinner. I don't have to cook. Not, a, not the main portion. I do have to throw some rice on in the cooker and make some potato salad. But that's easy. And, and so... It wasn't like I created something and went into the silence to create something, uh, imagine up something that implies me not cooking. I just had that little moment, just a few seconds in the kitchen where, ah, I'm not cooking today. And then I get the message from Kim that we've got gumbo already cooked. And then uh, I was coming outside on the back porch to do this podcast, today's podcast, because I love sitting on the back porch when it's raining. I love the rain, the sound of the rain. I don't even know if you can hear it. Anyway, so I get out here and there's a big old woodpecker on my back porch. It always amazes me how birds, and I think birds have pretty good eyesight, don't they? I think they all do. How they can work their way into the back porch but they just can't seem to get their way out. I know, I'm sure there's explanations and somebody's probably hollering at me listening to this like, you dummy, it's because the screens and they just, it's messing with their vision and depth perception, I don't know. But it just boggles the mind how I get these birds on the back porch and it takes them forever to get off the back porch. So I propped open, uh, we have two doors on the back porch, well one opening and then another door on the other side. So I propped that door open, giving this bird two ways out. 
And I thought, well, he'll eventually get out. He or she will eventually get out. They always do. I mean, sometimes it takes them all night, hours, but they get their way out. Yeah, I know you're thinking, why don't I do something about it? Why don't I have a net? And I never think about going to buy a net. Is there a bird net? A net that's safe for birds? Anyway, I don't have any way to get them out. And so I was just going to let him be. I was going to go back inside and do the episode in there. And then I noticed that this lovely, beautiful woodpecker is pecking holes in the freaking screen. Trying, he's so frantic to get out. He's pecking little beak-sized holes in the screen. And then I'm like, okay, we got to get this thing out now. And I did had a moment of crap let me go see maybe a broom and kind of uh point it at him get him out maybe uh i even tried just putting my hand up you know calling to him here birdie here buddy come here having a moment of a little magical moment of nature and humankind bonding right there so i went inside to see if i could find something in the in the garage and then I thought I reminded myself dude you know what to do you know you don't have a net there's only one thing to do to get this bird out quickly and so I just stopped for a second and stood there just a moment and imagined seeing him fly away out the porch off into the trees just a moment two seconds it took came back outside, walked outside, and what did he do? As soon as I walked outside, he went to one door, stopped at the door, I don't know why he stopped, turned around, flew across the porch and out the other door. And I saw him fly away, just like I did in that little imaginal act that I did 30 seconds before. Yeah, you're, he would have flown out eventually anyway, but I wanted him out now because I didn't want little holes in my uh, screen uh, or torn through it because I think he was, that's what his plan was to just break out. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is there are two quick little imaginal things that I did this morning intentionally and I saw immediate results. And I've noticed a, a lot of people in law of attraction groups and not necessarily in uh, the big one that I'm in, in, in 2020's group, the Neville Goddard group, but I've noticed it in books and websites and quotes from people and, and their posts on Instagram that are into uh, manifesting and law of attraction, that they're focused on just the big wins, big things, and just things, uh, fixes or band-aids and not realizing that, yeah, we have intentional things that we do and we notice it. Like today, I noticed the two things, the results immediately after I had them in imagination. But throughout the day, everything we're experiencing, everything we're, we're confronted with is an echo, is a, is a reflection of what's going on inside of us. The fountain, the living water is inside of you and me.
And when we look into the waters and we see what reflection we see, what we, what we see of ourselves in the living waters, our concept of ourselves, our assumptions, our assumptions of other people, our judgments of other people. And when we get, you know, our judgments of people in the grocery store, in the parking lot, all these little assumptions and things that we have going on in our minds all day long, we're confronted with. There's nothing that we're confronted with that people do to us that hasn't first been allowed in, in uh, imagination. There's no one to blame. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I do it intentionally all the time. And in the morning, I get up when I'm still in that drowsy state in the morning, that state akin to sleep, you know, when you're first waking up and your body's still, still in bed. That's a perfect opportunity to imagine up a great day for yourself. You know, you know what you have to do that day. So imagine the end of all those little things. Imagine a great lunch meeting or some appointment you have. Imagine the end you want before you even get out of bed. In fact, go when you, I do this sometimes, uh, well, very often, before I get out of bed, I will imagine that evening, I'll imagine being back in bed and it's that night and I'm going back to sleep and thinking about how wonderful the day was, how cool it was, how much fun it was. That's, uh, that particular idea uh, we, in the Neville Goddard group of, that 2020 has on Facebook, uh, it's, called the, it's called Greg's Good Day Method because a member of the group had posted it, talking about calling it the Good Day Method, where you just go to the end of the day and imagine, imagine it's nightfall and you're going to sleep or at any point in the day, anything at any point in the future, imagine, put yourself there in imagination and remember, recall how great the day was. It's still, it's making there, here, and then, now. It's the same thing that I talk about all the time and the same thing Neville talks about and others in 2020's group. But I like, you know, it's a fun way to do it. Get it before you get up in the morning. Still in that drowsy state. Imagine having had that wonderful day, even if it's a Monday, even if it's a, the, the morning after LSU loses or the Saints lose, or in my case, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> And it doesn't have to be that night. You go to the next day. Go to the end of the week. Have fun with it. Play is what 2020 says all the time. Don't just focus on the big things, a big healing or a big financial win or a new job. Go to the end of whatever your desire is, whatever, whatever you think is big, whatever seems to be big. There's no size, no actual mass greater than the other when we're talking about desires. 
a desire for just a, a fun ass day is just as lovely as a desire for financial freedom or a promotion at work or getting from Sulphur to Lake Charles without a traffic problem. We perceive magnitude, uh, massiveness in our problems and our desires. And that, for me, that stopped me a number of times because I just imagined that one thing is bigger than the other, is harder than the other, and it's not. That's why 2020, I love that lesson I got from him. Go to the end of whatever your desire is. Let's call them the big buns, the big ones that you want. Use the tools, first principle, be still and know that I am God. And frame, imagine, conjure up an, an imaginal scene. Put yourself in that scene, implying that your wish is fulfilled, that it's already done. Or just ask yourself, what would the feeling be like if this were already true and has been for some time? What would it feel like if I had that promotion? And I, I'm looking back months later, I'm putting myself months from now, recalling, remembering the promotion and how cool that was and how great my financial uh, position is now. Go to the end. Capture that mood. Once you have that feeling that it's done, I talk about it explicitly, that feeling of doneness in the previous episode, uh, number 41, so Donald Trump's in town, or so Trump's in town, I think it's called. It's the, a knowingness, an absolute peculiar certainty and you'll know it when it's done in imagination. This, the desire's gone because you fulfilled it in imagination. So open your eyes and get on with your day. And don't, here's where I, I, I've noticed what slowed me down a lot because I took these uh, seeming big things, did what I just described to do, the steps, and then I went looking looking in, in the physical world, detecting, seeing what my five senses detected to tell me if I was successful. Look at the family. Oh, they're still fighting. I, it didn't work. It's not working. It's not working. Look at my bank statement. Oh, crap. I didn't do something right. Something's wrong. I didn't imagine it good enough. What I did was I successfully imagined it and got to that point of doneness, but I started looking for signs. Started looking for signs in, in the physical world that I was successful. And Neville says that signs never precede, signs follow. So I was looking for things on the outside, confirmation on the outside that I was successful. When all I really needed to do was stay with that peculiar certainty, that knowingness, that doneness. It's funny, I was thinking about when I was healed, how I didn't know a lot about what I was doing back then. I had just heard about Neville Goddard, 
I mean, I've all my life heard about things about, you know, the power of the mind, willpower, mind over matter, all these different terms, but never really practiced it, uh, except for a few times I've spoken about another podcast about how I got into radio and how I got through college in eight short years. <laughs> but looking back on that, those, those six days from imaginal act from when the seed was planted to me getting up out of the wheelchair for good. Right there, I already have the perfect pattern of what to do. I've already done it, and I've never really looked at it, examined what I did in that moment and those days following that moment. And what it was was that I got to that peculiar certainty of knowing knowing it was done. And later that day and the next day and the next when I was still twisted up and having muscle cramps and still having incontinence and still using crutches in the wheelchair. Still, I remember during that week, I went to a Lafayette airport to drop our son off at the airport. Oh, and I remember getting so upset because the one handicapped bathroom, restroom was closed. And so I had to try to fight my way into the normal sized restroom. Anyway, and even in that moment, I didn't curse myself and think, I didn't do it. What's wrong? I had all these facts of life flooding over me, or I was being stoned, like when the Bible talks about they're stoning someone, you're being stoned with the facts of life. And I was being stoned, uh, not the good way, but I was being stoned with the facts of life. I'm still handicapped. I'm still disabled. I've still got this twisted up, brain damaged, pretzelish body. And even when I'm mad at the toilet, at the, at the normal sized toilet, I didn't once think about doubting what I had done a few days before that. I just held that peculiar certainty and then it happened. So right there is my own pattern. I gave, give myself and all I have to do is remember what I did in those six days. Reach that, that doneness that uh, it's already true. I had no idea. I didn't worry about how it was going to happen. I didn't think about, do I need to contact my brain surgeon again? Maybe go down to Honduras and do the the non-approved stem cell project that she was working on. Or maybe I need to try some new meds because I had gotten off the medication months before because it was just, it was doing me no good. Because I didn't, well, I was really thinking, I imagined that it was going to do me no good. It was all within me. So there was no physical therapy nothing in my mind that I needed to go try. I just felt it to be real in that moment, on that Thanksgiving morning. And then I let it go. I didn't doubt it. And then it just happened so fluidly and natural feeling. I've said this before, there wasn't, you know, earthquakes and thunderbolts and lightning and all this stuff to mark the occasion. 
the sky didn't open up and angels didn't come down and rise, my child. No, I just was compelled to get up. I was standing up to grab my crutches to go do something. And then I just kept walking. And then, and then when it happened, that's, it was, then I realized, oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> and I remember just kind of giggling, just in this weird giddiness. Uh, and I wasn't surprised when Kim said, what are you doing? You're walking normal. I said, yeah, let me tell you about this little conversation I had last week. And I wasn't stunned. I was just thrilled with how it happened, how natural it was. I remember meeting a good friend of mine. He, wanted, he took me to lunch a few months later after that, and he wanted to know what happened, how did this happen. And I didn't know how to explain it very well. In fact, early on, I was scared to tell people, I, uh, especially my friends at church and church itself and other uh, Christians because I didn't want them to think I was, you know, involved with rich witchcraft and what would they think? What are they going to think if I tell them my experience? So I tried telling this friend who's not a Christian. So I was telling him about how, and it came out, I'm not going to get into how I said it, but it came out in a weird way, in an awkward way. And he, so he was like, so you're telling me all this was in your mind the whole time? You never were really sick? <laughs> oh, but really, it is all in our mind, in our imagination. I can't blame the refrigeration company that sprang the leak, that that's leaked the ammonia. I can't blame the radio station for cutting my salary, for forcing me to try to get a job somewhere else outside of my field. I could go back and blame, blame, blame. Well, they did this and they did that. And then I, that led me to doing this. And then, then I could blame my parents. I could blame my brother for, you know, dropping me down a manhole when I was five years old. That was a fun story. I don't blame him. But he did do that. Covered a, a manhole in our, on the back street behind our house with straw. Took the lid off. He and my cousin covered it with hay or straw, long cut grass. And they called me out there, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, come here. And I walked right toward him, right through the hole, down, it's probably 10 feet maybe. But it, when I'm four or five years old, that seemed like, you know, I'm down a well. And I could hear water rushing down the other culverts, the tunnels, uh, the drainage conduits. I could hear, I could see dead fish. I could blame him for torturing me as a kid, but I don't. They're fun stories. I tortured him too. I love my brother. He's got a great pasture-raised farm up in Boonville, Missouri. Delicious chickens that taste like real chicken and turkeys and hams and all kinds of uh, what other pork products you get. Check him out. I'll put a link. Uh, Hickory Hill... Uh, Hickory Hill? Oh my gosh, I'm blank now on his farm name. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up while we're talking. No, I'm not. I can't do two things at once. Hickory Hill Pastures. Woo! 
Hickory Hill Pastures. Check him out on Facebook and YouTube. He's got some hilarious videos of him working on the farm. And anyway, if you're anywhere near Missouri or, uh, yeah, or into pasture-raised and delicious, yummy chicken and turkeys and ham and pork steak, all that good stuff, check them out. But we're assuming all day long. So I've talked about a couple of different things, intentionally doing big things. But I want you to get that we're imagining all day. We're assuming to be true about ourselves, things all day long. So start when you get up, as soon as you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed, imagine up a great day. And just imagine fun things, whatever your desire is. The I am within you is the same I am that's in me and the same I am who told Moses to tell the people of Israel, I am that I am. That's it. That's you and that's me. And like Proverbs says, a desire unfulfilled or a wish, my, the translation I like says a wish unfulfilled makes the heart sick or desire unfulfilled makes the heart sick and a wish fulfilled is like eating from the tree of life. So whatever your desire is, stop right there. Desire it, you know what it is. Imagine it fulfilled. A delicious meal, hmm, yum. The bird getting out of my porch today, just seeing the backside of his wings as he flies away. Whatever your desire is, just play. Do stuff all day long, like 2020 says, put fun buns in the oven. And Neville talks about that. Don't just focus and wait and wait for the big one. You'll never see it if you're waiting and watching for signs and reacting. Drop that seed, know that it's planted, and then just start dropping in fun, lovely seeds all day long. Whatever your desires, think of something right now. Just something that you think is small. Just fun things. What would it feel like if that were true, if we were there right now? Ooh, what if I could eat at that place tonight? Mm. Imagine putting the fork down, the clink of your fork on the plate. Mm, that was good. We're imagining all day long assuming to be true and confronted with what we assume to be true all day long. So imagine up some lovely stuff for yourself and for everyone, everywhere, everywhere you go, imagine lovingly. Do it to the least of these. You're doing it to Christ, the power and wisdom and God is within you. This is Feeling Twisty.